The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs and the best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers on a huge draft day and night for Indiana. Uh, I think three different moves made over the course of the day, two or three different moves made. Uh, plenty of second round picks changing hands and move into the first round. They stayed pat with their first pick. It was uh, a really eventful day, even though at the end of it, we have two new rookies and one less Aaron Holiday to show for it. So we will get right into that uh, over the course of the episode. We'll get into Aaron Holiday, but I want to start with the rookies. Uh, There was, Alex, uh, a pretty significant initial backlash on Pacers Twitter to the selection of Oregon's Chris Duarte with the 13th pick in this year's draft. Um, I tweeted that it was interesting to see the Pacers Twitter go through the seven stages of grief in real time because I feel like everyone was shocked and surprised and angry and there was a bit of bargaining to think we were going to trade it down. And, you know, then eventually we got around to acceptance and everyone came around to the fact that this guy's got a lot of talent and he's highly regarded by many teams in the league. Many teams are trying to get him from the Pacers, according to different sources. So, Alex, what are your thoughts now that you've had time to digest the pick? Well, yeah, firstly, you kind of touched on there. It was a bit of a wild day. The Pacers have been in, you know, so many rumors, starting with the Eric Gordon. And then today it was the Cam Reddish news, right, which I would have been more than happy with. I know you guys, or at least Adam, I think you have pretty high on Cam Reddish. So that would have been a good move. But, yeah, look. Chris Duarte, he, he's a guy who a lot of teams wanted to trade up for. The Knicks, the Hawks, uh, the Lakers were another team. And apparently the Warriors really wanted him as well. So, uh, look, I think most of the backlash came from the fact Moody was on the board, right? And that's where I stand on it, is that if he was taken before 13, I really don't think there's much of this backlash at all. Like, it, on the surface, he's a good pick. Uh, obviously, a low low ceiling guy but he's also a low risk pick, right? Uh, Given that we know what he's going to be 24 years old, uh, a good two-way player, great shooter, a good scorer. And he's an elite defender, man. Like if you've watched the footage, he's good in the passing lanes, active hands, and he can defend multiple positions. So yeah, it's a very solid, it's a very paces pick. It is a very paces pick. Justin, there was a lot of talk 
from Pacers fandom about the fact that they wanted a, a young guy uh, and we picked one of the oldest players in this entire draft class. Uh, what are your reactions to picking a guy who's 24 over, say, the next pick, Moses Moody, who is 19 years old? Well, I think that just goes into the coaching change with Rick Carlisle, to be honest with you. He's in, he's in win-now mode, which we've mentioned on the podcast. Um, it was kind of an all-in move getting Rick Carlisle and firing Nate Bjorkren. So you kind of knew the paces, not that they were going to draft like this, but they're always going to go for the best available player. And as Rick Carlisle said in his presser today, he, they thought um, he was the best available player. So, um, look, I can understand some Pacer fans being a bit upset they didn't go younger. But look, I've always got a thing going into the draft. If the fan base is unhappy, it was a good pick. If the fan base is happy, it was a bad pick. And I live off that. I've lived for that for the last 10 years and it's rarely failed me. Um, so look, the, the outrage from Twitter, I know you mentioned it, Adam. You know, we had people saying they're burning jerseys and ripping everything down from their rooms and, geez, if this is the worst day of being a Pacer fan in your life, um, I question your fandom because I think we've had a lot worse days. I, I think Probably overall only 10 it was years some... old. If if this yeah is yeah ten, yeah maybe two weeks old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's been worse days, but yeah. Look today, if I'd give it a grade, uh, I'd give it a B. So uh, could have been better, could have been worse. Yeah, and speaking of the day as a whole, Chris Duarte wasn't the only pick that the Pacers made in the first round. They ended up exchanging, I think, four first-round picks, including two late in this draft for pick 31. And then they moved up from 31 to 22. And we'll talk about what went back to Washington in a moment. But selected Isaiah Jackson, a big shot blocker, rebounder, bouncy, apparently the one of the best second jumps uh, that, uh, that, are, that they've seen in quite quite some time so very athletic and the ability to to protect the rim and rebound which as i uh, as i was saying today was a real deficiency on this team i mean we had injuries at different points to miles and domas and goga uh, and we just didn't simply didn't have a fourth center on the roster and in this day and age when you're carrying two big men in your starting lineup you really need two on the bench um and I think this obviously addresses that. I'll be interested to see if this means that Goga will be moved, if this means that any of our other bigs will be moved in favor of Isaiah Jackson. Uh, given where he was picked, I would expect it to be more of a project and a guy that's not going to play very much and probably not going to crack Rick Carlisle's rotation for much of the season, maybe when we're injury riddled, etc. But um, Alex, I'll start with you again. What are your thoughts on firstly the Pacers trading back into the first round to select another rookie um, with that uh, 21st pick? And secondly, the pick itself. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember we were talking in, in our messages just about two days ago. We said if if the Pacers could somehow get a first round pick for Aaron Holiday, KP deserves a bloody statue built for himself so somehow he was able to get a first round pick and look you can say what you want about kp and and he's drafting but the dude knows how to trade he's one of the best in the league when it comes to that and getting value for his players i mean we gave up a bunch of second round picks but let's be honest like they weren't going to play anyway so it doesn't really that it doesn't really matter that much and um isaiah jackson he's a project man he's he's a more high upside guy uh as you said look carlisle doesn't really play rookies um, especially these more like raw talents. He'll barely play this season, but 
He's a guy who who fits that like Nick Claxton role on the Nets, right? Or or Robert Williams, sorry, on the Celtics. That young big who can come in after a, a few years and block shots, rim run. He's a high flyer, super athlete. So I like it, man. I, it's an interesting one, but he can defend the perimeter as well if you if you watch him. So he gives the paces another option, as you said, almost like a, a better version of Jakar, right? Coming off that bench. That's that's what we need. We need an an energy defensive big really like that fits this team's philosophy. It fits the way that they want to play. Um, They want to, you know, they always preach defense with the exception of last season. So having a guy who could come on, get three or four boards, get a big block shot, maybe catch a lob at the rim. uh, Although we don't have many guys that can throw that lob pass at the moment. (laughs) And I'll I'll get to that in a sec with, uh, with the player going out and the possible moves that can be made there. But you know, that's the that's the kind of energy that we want from a young big. We could really see this guy blossom into not just a rotation player, but a significant role player um, for this team. And, you know, it's it's exciting from that aspect. That, that gave me my feel. It gave me what I needed in terms of having a young guy with a lot of potential, with some really key defined skills that this team could use. Um, so... I think the the frustration I think the fan base felt with uh, picking a 24 year old with their their 13th pick, um, Justin, it it was kind of counteracted by the fact that we selected a good young big with potential and athleticism later in the round. Yeah, you're right, and that's what they mentioned. They said they wanted to kind of do a safe pick and then take a swing at another pick, and that's what they've done. You know, they've gone for a safe pick in Duarte and then taking kind of a, a swing where, you know, it might not turn out well, but, you know, he could be a star in a few years. Who knows? So um, I, I had a quick look at his highlights. He looks great. You know, that high energy guy, like you mentioned, and Alex, you beat me to the punch. I was going to mention probably a better version of Jakar Sampson. I actually think you always see the way your teams draft and who, who on the roster is going to be, maybe not there this uh, next season or sorry, this upcoming season. And I'd say um, Jakar Sampson would be one who might not be on the team uh, moving forward. And I think this really seals the fate for Doug McDermott. I I, I don't see him being on the paces. I think the Duarte pick uh, proves that even more that he's a knockdown shooter. Um, And, you know, they, they, they said that TJ McConnell's going to be, you know, signed up again I, I think Doug is gone unfortunately boys what do you reckon yeah I agree I think it, it brings us to the the play that went out as part of that deal Aaron Holiday I think we we had Brogdon Levert Holiday TJ McConnell um, all as you know guards that can handle the ball in different uh, different areas Aaron Holiday was the odd one out last season and, and probably for much of the season before that he never eventuated to be that key bench scorer that he was supposed to be when he was drafted. Larry Bird spoke very highly of him at that stage. And we've had many a discussion over his potential and we'll, we'll get to see whether it was a Pacers thing or an Aaron holiday thing right now. Aaron holiday is apparently really excited to be traded. And um, Justin, I'm going to start with you this time because you've had some pretty strong thoughts about Aaron holiday over the last few years, although all the time wanting him to succeed at the same time, you know, it's I, I think it's probably a relief more than anything else to see him get another opportunity elsewhere because it just didn't seem to fit in Indiana regardless. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll be nice on his way out. I, I won't, you know, I hate how people just kick players to the curb once they're gone and, and say all talk smack. I, you know, there were glimpses of him being really good. I remember some games where he did 
show his promise and you know uh, his game against Toronto went to overtime he was he was awesome but we just did not see it enough um he, he could be really good on the defensive side but uh for me he just fell into the trap of kind of shooting too much shooting contested um for me personally he was my least favorite pacer so yeah wanted him to succeed but I just didn't like the way he played throughout the 82 game season uh year in year eight Year in, year out. And yeah, like we've mentioned uh, a few times, I think that report of Larry Bird saying he could be a future all-star really stuck with me over the years and it really triggered me. Um, I think we should have traded him earlier when we could have got probably more value for him. But like you mentioned, Alex, I think uh, KP somehow getting a first-round draft pick in the 20s for Aaron Holiday is a, a big win. It really puts to bed in terms of the Sumner holiday minutes this upcoming season as well. I mean, it's clear that they would, uh, Holiday's minutes would probably go to Sumner, McDermott's minutes would go to Duarte, or some of them would. Um, and and really, Jackson would get those Jakar minutes when we absolutely need that sort of athletic big off the bench. So it's, I think you're spot on, Justin. You can clearly see the replacement players that we're now bringing in to counteract, um, I guess, the, the losses that we're potentially going to have and almost certainly going to have. Uh, Alex, what do you think about uh, Aaron Holiday leaving, Doug McDermott probably leaving as well, and you know the potential to replace those guys with younger players and, in Ed Sumner's case, players that just flat out have, are more consistent? Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you can talk about Aaron getting a limited opportunity, but I think he got more opportunity than Edmund did these past two seasons, and Sumner just took advantage of those minutes where Aaron didn't. So... I think at the end of the day, he, he probably doesn't have anyone to blame but himself. But I actually really like the Wizards fit for him. You know, uh, Smith is a free agent uh, who was the backup point guard for them this season. Obviously, Westbrook just got traded today. So, you know, they don't have any log jam at the guard spot like the Pacers do. He can get a real opportunity there, even if it is just coming off the bench. You know, they need a guy who can come in and score. So, look, it, it's a good opportunity for him to come in there and, and play well. And in, in the case of Doug McDermott, he deserves to get paid, man. Like, he was really good this season, had a career year. And that's, that always makes me happy. Like, obviously, uh, it's sad to see these guys go. But, you know, when Corey Joseph got paid, Thad got paid, Bo Young got paid, like, that always makes me happy. These guys come to the paces as, like, players who really didn't have a home. And they get better in Indy, and then they get a payday. So I can't complain. I'm happy for Doug if he gets a, a lot of money. It's a it's a full circle being a Pacer fan, isn't it, Alex? You just mentioned it there. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the story of our lives, mate. But look, it is what it is. I think the most interesting part of the most surprising part about draft night for me was the fact that we kept all five starters. Uh, mm. We spoke at length over the last few weeks and a couple of months, really, about how the days of one of our starters or more than one were numbered. Justin, do you think there's a, still a big free agency slash trade move in the works as the free agency dominoes fall where there's, you know, two starters for an all-star or um, a lateral move like Turner for PJ Washington. I mean, we saw Charlotte acquire Mason Plumlee today. So they potentially have filled one of their uh, center holes that they had uh, with Biombo and, and uh, everyone's favorite Cody Zell leaving this year. But I, I do wonder uh, if that big move is still there or if the draft picks and the trades that were made today indicate that, you know what, maybe maybe we just didn't get an offer that we were looking for and we're going to stand pat now. Yeah, 
I don't think we're going to stand pat. You, you, you listen to the reports and Indiana's been one of the most active teams, they say, in trade talks. So I think we really want to get better. It was funny, I was... Just before I went to bed last night, I was thinking, all right, what do I want the Pacers to do in the trade or the draft tomorrow? And I thought the only thing I don't want is them to trade Miles Turner. I think that would upset me. And, you know, we'd have to get a new intro for the podcast for one. But yeah. um, <laughs> secondly, like I, I want, I just wanted him to be a pace. And I was re- really worried. I was just going to, my phone would flash saying Indiana's traded Miles Turner. So, um, you know, the highest chance he was probably going to get traded today, that's gone. Does that mean he's going to be a pace to come opening night? Who knows? If you're asking me, Adam, do I think uh, the starting lineup is going to be the same last year as it is this year? I, I still don't think so. I, I think they want to move Brogdon. I think they, between Turner and Sabonis, something has to give there. Um, you know, the the rumors are starting to get hot about Lonzo Ball coming to Indiana in a sign and trade. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to agree. I don't know if Brogdon's the point guard of the future. If he gets injured again this year, I'm about to write him off. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. it, it's, no, it's his enough. whole career now. And, yeah. yeah, you want a point guard who's up, uh, you know, fast like Lonzo. It's I love Brogdon, but I think if we don't trade him come opening night, he's got one more season to prove it to me before I'm kind of done on his ship. <laughs> That's uh, that's strong. That's very strong. No, I that's agree. Harsh? Look, no, it's not. I, I really think, you know, the the last two years, if you recall Brogdon's last first six weeks with the ball club, he was an all-star. He was being talked yeah. about as an all-star. And yep. we just haven't seen that since. We've seen flashes late in the season where he chased his stats and got his points and got his assists. But, you know, symptomatic of the entire locker room, um, and we'll talk about the Karis Levert interview in a moment, but symptomatically the entire locker room just didn't seem to assume the leadership spot that people just assume that he would. I, I, I think everyone thought Malcolm Brogdon would be a leader on this team and it just doesn't seem to be very outward, whereas Miles Turner is quite outward with his leadership or leadership aspirations. He may not be necessarily a, a natural leader, but he is the leader of this team to an extent. So it's interesting um, to hear you comment that Miles was the one that you least wanted to lose. I'm probably very much the same because he seems to be the one that most wants to be a pacer at this point, aside from probably Karis LeVert, who hasn't been here long enough to really make an assessment of whether it's a good fit for him or a good fit for the pacers. Um, but speaking of Karis LeVert, Alex, it was a really interesting old man in the three podcast this week with Karis LeVert, where a couple of nuggets that, uh, that he dropped one was around the philosophy, the, the, um, I guess the philosophy of the, the locker room, the way the locker room treated each other, the turmoil and the fact that he hadn't been a uh, member of a locker room like that before. What were your reactions to that report? It was just super disappointing to hear, man. Like, obviously, we all knew the reports and the the incident in the Kings game, but just to hear it from a guy who came in and obviously had no prior, I guess, experiences with the Pacers franchise outside of us drafting him momentarily. But you know that that's not the way we operate. I think that you know he said that he'd been on some terrible teams with the Nets, right? Like they were on, he was on some tanking teams in Brooklyn that lost a bunch of games and they were still having fun and they were still a better locker room than us. So that's super disappointing. And, and it goes to that leadership, right? Like you need a guy who, who can bring the locker room together and 
who can uh, just control people's egos, if you will. So that was upsetting. And also the the incident where Bjorken like didn't tell him that he was starting or, or something like that. Like the dude had cancer. He had a kidney removed two months ago and you're not going to give this guy a hit. Like, I don't know. It was just, look, that, that, it, that hiring gets worse every week, seemingly, the Nate Bjorken hiring. It, that, that was the obviously the second report that I, I saw and I was pretty disgusted by it. Just the, the lack of emotional intelligence that that showed the, you know, the lack of a conversation. I mean, anyone who's ever led people before understands the importance of sitting down eye to eye and having a conversation and reassuring them that you have their best interests at heart and following through on that through your actions. I mean, the fact that he just came up to Karis in the locker room and said, I'm starting you tonight without a conversation about how he was feeling, what he thought was best, says everything you need to know about Nate Bjorkren. You know, this guy clearly thinks he knows better than anyone else. He clearly trusts his own process better than he trusts anyone else. And that's to his detriment because he no longer has a job. So it, I was really, really disappointed with that as you know someone who has led people in my professional life it's just not the way that you look after people and therefore it's not the way you coach either because leading people coaching it's the same thing you have to care about the people that you're you're there because they have to want to win for you partially as well as for themselves so i mean it's very clear that most of the problems in this locker room were bjorkran related um and I think the real test will be this year where we can't blame the coach, as we said when we when we hired Rick Carlisle. Can't blame the coach now. It's all on the players. But we know that we will have a coach that will handle this professionally and handle it well. And at the very least, make the players believe that they are part of professional organization, which it sounds like Bjorkren failed to do. I mean, Justin, that was pretty strong. But what other conclusion can you draw than... Bjorkren just doesn't know how to manage people. Yeah, I'd say, and you talk about being harsh, it's uh, probably, apart from the the brawl year, the Malice and the Palace year, last year was probably the biggest mess of a franchise they've had since then. Like, it's, it was just awful. Yeah. And, you know, KP saying he's storming into the locker room, you know, we've gone through it all. Like, how does that happen? Why is a GM coming in at halftime yelling at the players? <laughs> it would have been a mess. And I'm sure, you know, imagine about the stuff we haven't heard. You know, imagine about the stuff they've kept in the locker room. And if you're a player in the WhatsApp group texting, you know, you imagine the stories they'd have because – Whatever's leaked out, I'm telling you, there's probably about 90% of stuff we don't know, which is a lot worse. So, um, Alex, you mentioned about the veteran leadership. I think they will pick up a veteran this year, um, kind of like the Damian Wilkins type, like you mentioned, Thad Young. Uh, I remember David West was probably the best one. Uh, veteran leadership kind of kept Lance and Paul George in line. So I expect them to pick up a veteran like that. Um, but I also think Rick Carlisle will help, you know, you're not going to not listen to a championship head coach. So, um, yeah, I'm a lot more excited for this season, uh, this upcoming season, than I was last season uh, at this time. We had all the Oladipo staff. We had, you know, a new unproven coach. We didn't really know how he was going to go. We know who we've got as coach. Um, once the starting lineup set, I think I'm a lot more confident they're going to make the playoffs this season than I was last season. 
And I think the interesting part about this season now is that we have such a quick turnaround to free agency. So we'll come to you next week with some free agency news and reactions. If anything big happens, we'll come to you with a reactionary episode. But this has been the Paceroos Draft Aftermath Special. We'll see you next time. Thank you.